This is Tech and Ed Tech, brought to you by Magic Ed Tech. In this podcast, we discuss technology that powers Ed Tech and helps improve learning for all. I'm your host, Dan Gizzi, Vice President of Global Accounts. And today with us, we have Callion Nathan, Chief Information Officer from Encyclopedia Britannica. Welcome, Callion. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Uh, so how have you been? Yeah, things have been good. Last one year has been crazy for everyone, so it's not been much different. But some of us have to be, again, right, really appreciative of the fact that we've been fortunate and we've had the ability to work from home. That flexibility has definitely helped to manage the local situation at home, kids are doing schooling from home. So having that flexibility has been great without losing much productivity. So uh, yeah, can't complain much. I hope you and your family are safe and doing well. We are. We're doing well. Thank you for asking. So I would uh, definitely say that it has been uh, many challenges beyond uh, just our world changing on a dime in ed tech, that's for sure. But I think the one thing I think we've found, though, is it's helped us all to see what really matters in life. And um, we've definitely been able to connect much more in a way that I think we would have without having spent so much time uh, together in, in lockdown. That's true. Definitely getting into office, right? It feels like it was overrated. People can still do their job from wherever they are as much as possible. So I think not having to have two hours of commute every morning and evening, I think that that has helped big time. Very true. So uh, one of the things, Kalyan, that I noticed um, in your profile is that you had an interesting career prior to getting into the ed tech space and the education space. I would love to hear just a little bit about your journey and understand uh, what drove you to land at Encyclopedia Britannica. Sure. So uh, my journey started again, right? I started working with mainframes, something that a lot of the millennials won't even understand what it is. (laughs) <laughs> so working in the financial industry, working for Merrill Lynch, and then uh, eventually I moved on to working for the hospitality industry. I spent a good 13 plus years there working as a consultant and then uh, full time at uh, Starwood Hotels and then Marriott. So it was an interesting journey, right? Starting from converting Starwood Hotels from their mainframe systems into the then update, again, the new reservation system that they built using a uh, at that point, largest service-oriented architecture implementation at that point. So working on those projects and then a couple of other transformational projects and then leading the MNA for two of the largest integration of two of the largest hospitality companies, Marriott and Starwood. So it was a fun ride. But then uh, eventually, as I was working on those projects, I got an opportunity to work at Encyclopedia Britannica. And just the opportunity to work for a company that's been for so long and has been, it's an iconic brand. And uh, so I couldn't pass on that opportunity. So in my current role, right, I get the opportunity to integrate uh, technology teams across the globe, consolidate and stabilize infrastructure, focus on innovation, and ensure on security, right, which is key in our area of educational technology, especially you're dealing with lot of kids. So that is paramount. So this was an exciting role. I couldn't pass on it. So I'm happy to be here. And uh, I'm really happy to be again, right? My job, I feel that I'm making a difference in the life of uh, young learners on an everyday basis. So that keeps me going. That's an amazing journey. It's always interesting to hear how someone may start out in one avenue in, in front of 
a computer maybe the size of of the room we're probably both sitting in separately but uh to understand where you are today and your journeys uh, is great um you know so obviously encyclopedia britannica is just a small little company that's been around for i don't know maybe what 250 years <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah the britannica group right comprises of encyclopedia britannica merriam webster melingo britannica knowledge systems and britannica digital learning and these are multiple brands that we have under our portfolio and which is a good mix of iconic brands like merriam webster and encyclopedia britannica and also modern brands like morphic schools so it's a good place to be right having that expert ability to work in a company that is constantly evolving so that is one of the keys here and uh, again as you said right encyclopedia britannica has been around for 250 years and uh, the interesting thing is right when encyclopedia britannica the first uh, books were published the first paragraph on the book basically said utility ought to be the principal intention of every publication whenever this intention does not plainly appear neither the book nor their authors have the smallest claim to approbation of mankind if you look at it again they were very clear on what they want to do and the interesting thing here is it's about the information it's not about the medium in which you are going to be sharing the information so and working in a company like this that's again right starting off from print to now being all digital again encyclopedia britannica group right uh, touches over 150 million students every year in over 120 countries 20 plus languages and we are together one of the top 5 consumer reference sites in the world so our brand priority is to help you save time learn more and be sure and we achieve that by being able to adapt to new ways of delivering content again be it social be it search video voice iot so being available to where people need us to be in that's great i'm i'm old enough to remember when they would show up and uh sell you on the print bound version of it with the wonderful leather covers so um <laughs> it's great to hear how the transitions happened over all of these years to being a digital uh implementation of everything um you know i guess what's very interesting i guess you know from the perspective i think of the audience that may be listening to this what are some of the areas you would say uh the company has transitioned into that they may not necessarily know that is encyclopedia britannica or, or one of the brands that's true so one of the things our aim is right as i mentioned earlier is not only to provide relevant information but the information should be medium agnostic right it should be available to people in the way they want to consume the information so for us again right it's key for us to provide vetted information that not only provides you a quick answer but also provide context around understanding the topic better so we want to provide you a framework by which you learn better and it's transformational both inside and outside the classroom and technology plays a key role into it so for a company right to survive 250 years plus you can't just stay still you need to keep evolving as things go by from starting to having printing a new again right a new version every 10 years to again as print technology improved right we started publishing more regular updates but right. then right now we are all digital right now we have not been publishing the encyclopedia for a while so you have to be constantly evolving with technology 
And uh, one thing again, right, as you said, uh, all those volumes of book on the shelf, but uh, we were the first company to launch the digital encyclopedia. And we did that four years before Microsoft did. That's great so, to hear. Well, what medium was that on? So it was on disks, right? Initially, we were selling it, on, sending CD drives. And one interesting thing there is not, not too many people knew how to use CD-ROMs then. Right. So we actually had to package them with VHS tapes and send it over so that uh, people could know how to use it. And this is a man. Here we are today, uh, 20 years later, recording to a cloud. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Again, right, technology changes how information is delivered. And we also always need to be looking to what's coming in the future, right? You just can't stay still and say, I have things and this will help me take me 20 years, 50 years. That doesn't happen anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, I think what's kind of interesting, you know, as we saw with the pandemic and we saw with the uh, overnight change in how uh, delivery of technology was expected and ultimately required for learners to learn in the last year, what would you say would be some of the areas that you had seen um, or have come up that have been challenges that you think you may have had to face or even just in general in the industry? Again, before I get into the challenges part of it, right? And the pandemic changed lives everywhere, but then there was always a positive side to it, right? I would want to just focus on that before dwelling on the challenges, if you don't mind. Of course, please. The positivity is always welcome. <laughs> so again, and as COVID has proved that learning can happen anyway, not just in schools, right? As you look at the, the digital world is full of opportunities. And as you said, there are a lot of pitfalls. But then what happened was when suddenly schools were all closed and uh, people, again, right, everything was shut down because of technology, we had the opportunity to continue education for our kids from home. Imagine if this pandemic had happened 20 years ago. I don't think we could have done what we did today, right? And uh, we would have wasted full year of school for kids. And that would be, again, right, what I would call the pandemic generation right now, because, again, that would be loss of learning, loss of, again, right, it would have had a cascading impact in the future economy and the future generation. So with technology, I think... Uh, Right now, we were able to continue schooling. It may not be the most optimal thing, but I think we got to a place where we've realized we can learn anywhere, anytime. And even in the future, right, as we are looking at it, think of the benefits, right? If somebody is sick, right now you can't send them to school, but that same kid can now continue their education on those sick days from home, right? So, and then you can plan family vacations around it. So it gives people a lot of flexibility. And we have proved that we have the technology backbone available for this to continue. So This is very true. At, sorry. So as I'm looking at the problem areas, right, one thing, this is very, again, right, this analysis that I'm sharing is limited to the last one year. The access to technology, right, it's not been consistent. That is one of the huge problems I see. There's a big, significant issue with access to technology in rural areas or low, again, right, and some of the lower socioeconomic neighborhoods. So a lot of kids, right, don't have reliable internet. And it's not just an issue in developing or underdeveloped nations, right? Even places in parts of US or other developed countries, we have significant issues with internet. So that creates a situation where the imbalance between students that have access to technology and devices and the ones that 
don't. The imbalance widens. And to me, this can cause a very significant impact long term. And again, right, for example, uh, I have a family member of mine in India who is a teacher. Mm-hmm. He's a math professor. And he's been teaching this, uh, working with this not-for-profit organization there, teaching uh, underprivileged kids. And uh, what they did was they gave access, cellular data for these kids in Mumbai for them to attend classes. These kids don't have access to internet. So as, as this person was teaching them, he realized that some of these kids would randomly not show up for classes. And when he started inquiring, he realized that there were three kids in that household. And this guy would attend classes only if his sisters don't have classes at the same time. There was no way three kids in a household could attend classes at the same time. So even though there are people ready to help them and giving them access, again, it's not at a point where it is available for everyone. So that's going to have a big impact long term. It's very interesting to think about that because when we think of infrastructure of what is required and necessary, you know, we think of water, we think of, you know, access to food and medical. But, you know, now that we have digitally connected the world almost overnight in a way that required it to teach an entire population, it it became an infrastructure problem very quickly that had not been addressed in, um, you know, not, as you mentioned, not even just in in countries like India or around the world, but in our own backyard. Um, You know, I've been, I'm based in South Florida and we deal with it here, you know, where there may be multiple people trying to access the same uh, virtual classroom and the teacher is uh, on what should be a good enough connection and it doesn't work well enough for them. It's true. And that's also interesting, right? Times are changing. So when you look at the new infrastructure bill that they're trying to pass, broadband is one of the things. It's not just bridges or Mm -hmm. roads anymore. Broadband is part of that. So people are realizing that digital infrastructure is as critical as physical infrastructure. Very true. On top of that, also the the actual skill set of the users, you know, are they proficient enough on the technology? Um, you know, we, we can look at the, the K-12 generation and they have always had some form of digital in their life. But, you know, when we think about the educators, they may not always necessarily have had this as a medium for themselves that That's they're true. struggling with as well to learn. That's true. That's another important thing, right? That's like a lot of teachers that are great teachers in school. It doesn't translate to when you come online, right? So what happened with this whole pandemic is, as you mentioned, it just everything turned on a dime. Overnight, everyone had to go to online learning and online teaching. And a lot of these teachers, right, they were not prepared and they weren't trained enough to be effective. So one thing that we also have to invest on as we do these, right, is to train our teachers to be more proficient with online tutoring. There are a lot of great teachers that I know would do really well in in person training, but that always does not translate automatically to online learning. It's very true. You know, I, as you were experiencing this at EB, uh, when when everything was shifting overnight, were there some areas as a company that you looked at and said, you know, we can help impact this in a positive sure. way? So, yeah. So as we were looking at it, right, one thing is when this whole pandemic started and schools were forced to go online with no notice, there was chaos because the first day, right, I still remember when my eight-year-old then had to go into school. And the first two days, the teacher was just trying to figure out how to get the kids on the classroom. 
mm-hmm. how to deal with like 20 kids in a zoom session it was not fun but then once they went past those problems they had a tough time for content that they could use for online learning so what at eb right uh, we realized this this was an issue so we started uh, working with uh, our schools so what we did was uh, we have this product called launchpacks which is our science and social studies classroom platform that's created to support the needs of teacher student and classroom with dynamic and flexible resources so what we said was we were going to give this product free for all the students people that wanted to so over 2000 schools across the us signed up for this and then they started using this in their classroom for science and social study cl- classes but then as we were working through the onboarding and everything and started tracking the data usage which is critical in this whole platform we realized that a uh, lot of students right did not have access to internet to access the platform once they get again right because a lot of them did not have proper devices internet so what we did was we had to immediately look at other ways of providing this content and so our, we started working on partnerships right this is not a problems that something can some people can solve on their own or companies so we worked with hp where we provided print capability for the content on launchpacks and then with the capability right people that did not students that did not have access to internet schools were able to print the content to them and give it to them so it's critical as we go through all these problems right to look at the data that comes out of this and then figure out how can we tweak things to make things better and it's on- great to hear that you know knowing that partnerships were able to develop in a way that were not competing with each other but you know helping the final outcome of teaching that's true and the other thing is right from a technology point of view the key thing was infrastructure here right we had to scale up fast and quick so what we also did on our infrastructure point of view as things were getting heating up we fast tracked migrating some of our applications to the cloud as a key priority and by doing that we were able to create a stable platform as we had more students and teachers starting to use some of these products we were able to expand and be again create a stable platform for our users and when i talk about migrating to the cloud right it's just not about taking something you have on prem lift and shift it that does not help the cloud again right you need to upgrade your application to make sure that it's able to take the advantages of the features that's available on the cloud for example right you need to make sure your applications you are investing on the ci cd platform because things like that right will not only help you reduce the time to market but it will also help improve productivity of all the teams around so as we are getting into this whole mode of more people learning online it's just not the product alone that we need to focus on we also need to focus on the infrastructure that it runs on and make sure that we are building something that's scalable reliable and uh, available at all times Well, that's great to hear that that scalability and you know really if nothing else be able to set up for success in the future you know so as we start to think about what the future of edtech is now now that we've had this massive digital transformation in an area that has traditionally lagged behind many other sectors what would you say that you and your teams are preparing for for the future of what the classroom environment and hybrid environments will look like 
So as we're looking at it, one thing I want to do is make sure we use this pandemic as a learning to go gain, right? We have got a lot of awareness of what's lacking right now, but that alone is not enough, right? We need to take action on it and make sure there's an impact that comes out of it. So my hope is that as, again, right, things start getting back to normalcy, knock on wood, soon, mm-hmm. we are going to probably go back to in-person school this fall. And then once that happens, right, I don't think we should just go back to the old ways of doing things. We need to know what worked during well during this remote learning, right, and start integrating those in our classroom sessions every day. right? For example, I may say that there are a lot of kids that are very shy about asking questions or raising their hands. But then right now I see when I'm sitting with my daughter and sometimes when I look at what's happening at school, a lot of kids, they're fine sh- sending text messages to, again, in the chat room to teachers, right? They may not be comfortable raising their hands and asking questions, but then they are more comfortable in a way that they can say, okay, I can type to my teacher. So how can we start integrating things like these, right? And just not go back to the old way of doing things, right? And as we are looking at it, other way will also, again, right, we'll have to look at from an edtech industry, information is information, right? And starting from having books to using Google to, again, right, the way we access this information has been changing. The consuming the information has been changing. And for all you know, 20 years or 10 years down the line, there may be a chip in our body that may be used to, again, right, that would be the source of information consumption for people. You never know. So what we have been doing is investing a lot into artificial intelligence and machine learning research so that we could help surface our huge content repository to users in a meaningful way and so that that can help them achieve their goals. The other key aspect as I'm looking at technology in edtech is personalization, right? Education cannot be a one-size-fits-all solution anymore. We have to be constantly looking at opportunities where we can personalize the content and assessment based on student skills. So for example, right, if I look at assessment, I mean, again, right, some of the data that we can start collecting with all these online learning and online assessment There could be a scenario where the teacher sees that 50% of the class got a certain concept wrong in an assessment. So the teacher can go back and focus on those. Or take an example, right? I may have scored 100% in my math exam, but then as the teacher is looking at my results, let's say that I spent 12 minutes answering a question, figuring out an answer. I may have got the right answer, but the the way I might have solved it may not be the most efficient thing. So if you're just doing this on a pen and paper and submitting it, the teacher wouldn't know how much time I spent on a certain question. Here, the teacher is armed with that information, saying that, oh, Kalyan got this right, but he probably didn't do the right way. He spent too much time on it. How can I help him improve on that specific concept? So by doing this right, I think this would help students learn at their own pace without facing peer pressure. And it will also help the teachers to identify areas that the student needs to focus on. Again, right, and these advancements would help students go from just focusing on getting a grade and a certification to improving their skills and experience that would prepare them for the future. Those are some great points, you know, and to think about how uh, artificial intelligence, the AI, machine language learning, the ML learning of this is 
going to change the world uh, for the better. I think some people might be a little concerned with putting uh, chips with the information into <laughs> our cells. I'm sure there's a, a whole other podcast we could have on that, Kelly. <laughs> we may be surprising ourselves. It may not be 10 years down the line. It may be five years down the line. I think you may have watched too many Terminator movies, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm on board if, uh, if learning is done by a, by a microchip or if we could figure out how to feed ourselves through that too as well. <laughs> That would be fun. It would. Uh, so our last question as we wrap up. Um, so as a leader in the industry, in the ed tech industry, what would be your advice that you would have for your peers and, and your customers uh, of your lasting thoughts to this? Okay. So one thing is, right, um, today's education, as we look at it, right, it's very extrinsic. We just look at a curriculum. We teach kids. But then what learning is different from education. Learning is driven by curiosity, and it's an interesting interesting motivation. So at tech companies, right, as we look at it, we'll have to look at how we can look at new trends and constantly innovate. And again, right, if you look at it, most of the jobs that are elementary school kids that would be working on in 15, 20 years, those jobs don't exist today. These, they're going to be a new set of jobs that these kids need to be prepared for. And we don't know what those jobs are today. So again, right, a lot of the Repetitive jobs are going to be automated. So what we need to do is edtech plays a key role in ensuring we prepare our kids and provide them a path going from education to employment to economic independence. So that is key. And the teachers, parents, and edtech teams, edtech companies play a big role in this. And we got to take this seriously, right? It's and make sure that we make a difference in the next generation that's coming. And this is a huge responsibility for everybody in this field. Kalyan, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Tech and In Tech, brought to you by Magic EdTech. I hope you have a great day, and I thank you again for joining us. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate you having me on the show, and you have a great day too. Thank you. You as well. Thank you.